Good morning. How's everybody doing? I don't do the turn-in, I'm sorry. They say, they say turn it up. Turn it up closer. There we go, right there. All right, is that better? Okay. Bear with us. One, This is, should be the last Sunday we are running on one AC unit. So if it's a little warm in here, it's not the preaching. It is one of the AC units or is... Uh, not working properly, but it is always good to see everybody. I always enjoy being able to teach, and and uh, we, you know, pray for Brother Justin, his family. They're dealing with sickness, and specifically his girls. So just pray for, pray for him, and it is definitely good to see everybody. I'm going to talk to you this morning about about hurts and healing. And where does God fit? What does the Bible talk about this? If anybody in here, I'm sure all of us have dealt with hurts. And all of us have had to go through some tough times in our life, for sure. I was sharing some things with Justin this morning that, you know, the Father reminded me this morning as I was just meditating and thinking on the Word that, you know, He told me that, look, or reminded me that, look, it, 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 in every... Every exciting chapter of growth in my experience, in my journey with Father, it always started with a session of brokenness and, and just feeling like, you know, that, you know, you know, or just dealing with, you know, being broken, you know what I mean, and going through a very tough time. And you always start into that, and it's never enjoyable, but then it's, and you think, man, I don't know how, how all it's going to work out. And then Father starts doing his thing, and he starts working. And then you just have to trust him. And, but I want to talk to you about, does God heal our hurts? And how do we apply biblical truth during trials? Has anybody ever been through a trial before in here? Yes, we all have. And most of us, when we go through trials, we don't say, yay, a trial. Hey, everybody, guess what? I'm going through a trial. You know what I mean? Man, did you hear? I'm going through a, I'm going through a trial right now. And that's usually not how, that's not in the, in the spirit of which we go through this. But let me start by way of introduction here. Each of us in this room this morning have developed a mental process over the years of dealing with pain and hurts that have been introduced to us in our life. Starting back when you were a kid, or starting back when I was a kid, when, we had, when you had pain and hurts introduced into your life, you, you, we all have our unique way or developed our unique way of dealing, you know, with these hurts. Each of our processes are unique to us because none of us have lived the same life, have we? We haven't. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's important. I think your... Life is like, a, is like your thumbprint. It is unique to you. And by the way, may I say this? Your experience with Father is unique to you. Thank goodness. Because God is a personal God. And he has, you know, you may not have seen it that he was there, but there's been a lot of times I wondered, it's kind of like that old footprints in the sand analogy, you know what I mean? Two, there was two pairs of footprints, and then it got to one, and they said, well, God, this was one of my hardest times in life, and why is it that when, that there, when I was going through my hardest times, there was only one set of footprints, 
It's not that God wasn't with him, with us. It was that God was carrying us through those times. Everybody ever seen that before or heard that before? Yeah, we all have. We've heard that. But anyway, our life is unique. And therefore, a lot of our mental processes of dealing with hurts and trials is very unique to us. Regardless of our individual experience in life, having the ability to process mentally the hurts and sufferings in life must be coupled with biblical truth. So what happens is we, 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 we learn to develop, we develop a way of dealing with hurts in our life and dealing with trials, and then we get introduced to the Father, and then we, we trust Christ, and then we start learning biblical truths, and then we start learning how, how does these biblical truths apply to what I've experienced. And God begins to put context to things you never had context. Like, therefore, like, for example, you can look back and you thought this was one of the most pointless or heartaching times in your life happened in this moment in my timeline. And then God introduced biblical truth and you see very quickly, oh, God, you did have a purpose with that. Thank goodness. It may have been 20 years since something like that happened. And God, Father, has the ability to put context to that. Christ said, truth makes free. And although we read, hear, memorize, and even quote this, we often fail to apply this in the mental processes of dealing with hurts. Christ makes free. Truth makes free. And we're trying to take that and apply that to the very trials of our life or applying biblical truth to trials. The most commonly, asked question, uh, most commonly asked question asked from unbelievers and believers of like is why do we have suffering? It's because if you think about it, and sometimes people ask that, an unbeliever will ask you that, and sometimes we, we have a hard time answering that question, like, especially if it's something that is just, it's, it's a very deep pain in somebody's life. We, we don't really have a, it's hard to tell somebody, hey, it's okay, you know, God works all things out for good. Tell that to somebody who just lost a child. You know what I mean? That's, that shouldn't even come out of your mouth. That's, where, that's one of them friends of Job situations where you just sit for seven days, you don't say anything. <laughs> Do you need a drink? You need a sandwich? Can I help you out some way? I mean, you're not going to take a biblical truth and cram that through somebody's, somebody's heartache and pain and say, see, you know, God's working us out for your good. You know what I mean? That's not what we're talking about. But here's the thing. What is the answer? The answer is simple. We live, our planet Earth has been corrupted by sin, and we live on planet Earth. We all do. Every single one of us. So where, where do you get that from? I get that from the scriptures. And I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but the bottom line is this. Planet, planet Earth and everything contained therein is the creation that we live in. It's the creation. Now, what we see and what we experience wasn't necessary. It wasn't God's initial intent but when sin was introduced, we find the hurts and the pains that were the byproduct of sin entering this world. 
We're seeing what we experience every day is the creation. But keep in mind, it's not the creator. We live in a creation, but God ultimately is the creator. We often get disillusioned because we are trying to get life from the creation instead of getting it from the creator. Now, if you're going to get anything from this message, don't miss that. It's not that God's not doing his thing. It's not that God's not available. It's not that God cannot do. But the one thing this creation cannot do is give you life. It cannot. It is incapable of giving you life. So you go to the creation, and if you look at the creation and you say, man, I just want everything just to work out perfect, it's going to let you down every time. So the issue is us trying to get life from something that was never intended to give us life. Now let me go on. Trials and suffering often bring us to those paradigm-shifting moments where we, we begin to, like Job, to see the Creator through the creation. See, Job went through the same situation. Job looked at all the circumstances and everything that happened, and he began to put God on trial, and God reminded him, look, who are you to question, you see? Who are you to tell me I don't know what I'm doing? And Job had a literal come-to-Jesus moment when God had to remind him, you see. But let's go on here. What does the Bible teach us about dealing with hurts? Number one is this. And if you got your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I got a lot of scripture we're going to go through. So um, if you have your phones or you have a Bible app or you got your Bible, then have that ready to go because we're going we're to go through quite a bit of scripture here. Is, is that okay? Is everybody good with that? All right. Good deal. Because <clears throat> I don't want you to take my word for it by all means. So Ephesians 4.26. So number one is this. Don't fear to feel. Don't fear to feel. Ephesians 4.26 says this. Be, be ye angry. And what? Sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. One does not have to live on planet Earth long to realize we are emotional beings, aren't we? We're very emotional. And if you're a female, you're super emotional. Amen? Boo, I'm just kidding. We are sensitive too. Look, our pastor cries every Sunday. So, come on now. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's bad. You know what I mean? But we are, we are emotional beings. God is not surprised by our emotions. And let's consider some of the common emotions we are brought, brought up through trial. So we're going through a trial, or we go, we're going through something. Some of the common emotions we deal with is guilt. Guilt comes when we do things we know that are wrong. Has anybody ever dealt with guilt? Oh, yes, I have. All of us have. We also have to deal with things like shame. Label we put upon ourselves because of our actions. Or a big one today is fear. What could happen might have happened and also what should have happened. 
fear. I mean, the, right now, the, our adversary, the devil, he is cranked. He's got the fear knob on, on 10 right now. I'm 11. I thought it stopped at 10, but apparently there's a new level. And we're, every time you turn on the news, it is doom and gloom. And fear is cranked up at its, I mean, everything. America's ending in a month. It's done. It's done. It's all done. It's all coming to an end. Uh, they, they got us. It, it, we, we didn't see it coming, but they got us, and they caught us off guard. And, you know, and however, but here's the thing. It, it, not just, I, I'm joking politically, but personally, we fear what could happen, what might have happened, and what should have happened. Also angry, as we find in the text here. Anger is an emotion. And then also hurt. Being hurt. Hurts introduced in many ways. Abuse, loss, sickness, divorce, betrayal, however you want to put it. Dealing with hurts. Now, here's the question. The question that remains is, are feelings good or are feelings bad? And what is the proper way of dealing with my feelings? What should we do with these? Do we ignore them? Is that the proper response with feelings? Just ignore it. Of course not. Do we suppress them? When we start feeling things, we naturally start to get rid of the feelings. Do we believe them? And this is where we can kind of get into danger sometimes. Do feelings always indicate truth? No, they don't, do they? Feelings over what? Facts? I hear you. Now, here's the thing, though. Emotions are not good or bad, but indicator, listen, they are indicators of the thoughts that fill our mind. That's, where, that's what it's about right there. So here we are. We live in an information age, and I don't know about you, but you wake up in your morning, and you tell yourself you're turning your alarm clock off, but no, very quickly, you're checking your feed. And you're seeing instantly you're thrust to not what's going on in the world, but how somebody feels about what's going on in the world. If you're a social media addict. And very quickly, you're allowing somebody else's feelings and emotions and thoughts dictate to you what you should be concerned about this morning. Are you following what I'm saying? So then what happens now, this is why it's this truth right here is why I had to get off of social media altogether. Now, I'm not condemning you for having social media. I don't care if you're on social media. I care about what I want to think about. And what I found very quickly is my emotions were running high because of all the, the feed directly to... Now, right now, the only TikTok I see are the stupid videos that Buddy sends me. And I was like, you know what? I'll let you filter through all the bad ones and just send me the occasional good one and I'll enjoy that one, you see. But very quickly, because what happens is our emotions are a byproduct of what thoughts are filling our mind day to day. Paul said in Ephesians 4.26, be angry, but sin not. What does that mean? It means feelings are not sin. You see, they're not sin. It's not a sin for you to feel. 
When God recreated you and he introduced the gospel, the gospel, the miracle work of the gospel was presented in one place and that was your spirit. That's who you are. Your feelings, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. That's where all this is taking place. And it's, it's on the spirit of man that God did his miracle work that we have to allow to lean on that instead of constantly how we feel about things. Because feelings are not sin. Can feelings lead to sin? Hello. Yes, they can, very often. Our job is not to judge the feelings, but we need to do the next thing, which is this, is commune with God about your feelings. God knew we are going to struggle with fear, anxiety, and worry. That's why he gave us meds, amen? No, I'm just, you know, some situations. Some situations, maybe, you know. God knew it. That's why the Bible tells us to come to him in our emotion states of unrest. So Philippians 4, 6, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to write them down and read them later, then by all means do that. But I want you to see the common thread that's woven into these verses. So we're talking about emotions. We're talking about feelings. We're talking about we've got these feelings. And what should we do when we're, we are overwhelmed with emotion and feelings? We're talking about communing with God during these times. Philippians 4, 6, Paul says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Psalms 4, 4 as I would call the feeling book, the raw feeling of David and the psalmist who, who we get to see how they felt when God brought trials. We get to see how they felt when God brought victories. We get to see the raw emotions of David when he was going through these times. That's why so many of us, when we struggle, we can go to Psalms and instantly identify with how he felt about things. Amen? Have you been there? It's amazing how you can go to the book of Psalms and you can instantly have a connection. Why? You're having an emotional connection to what he's going through. The psalmist 4.4 says, Stand in awe and sit not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. 1 Peter 5.7 Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Psalms 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. And that word thought there is the same as worry or anxiety. He says, take no thought for your life for ye shall, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet your body, what you shall put on, is, is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto your stature? Real Christians struggle. Breaking news. Do, 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 do. 
Real Christians struggle. And our flesh is capable of anything. So here we find just a small segment of communing to God, making a habit of going to God. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that in, in emotional states of oh, being overwhelmed and unrest, why is it important that I go to God? And that's the next point is this. Find emotional healing through mental renewal. I'm going to God. Why? Because I want God to remind me through His Word and through His Spirit what I truly need to be thinking about. I want God to give this crazy creation. I'm going to go to the Creator, and I'm going to allow the Creator to give me true context of what's going on in His creation. I'm going to go to the author and the finisher. Romans 12, 2 and 3 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Feelings are indicators of thoughts, and feelings are byproduct of thoughts. The simple truth is we need new thoughts. Let me apply this to worship, for example. You know, the power of worship and music, the true power of it is the very truth that we're putting into song. It's not just how we play the song. We know that. But it's, it's taking a very truth that we need to hear. And it's putting it in song and reminding us over and over. For example, I think of the song, Goodness of God. I love you, Lord, and your mercy never fails. All thy days, I, I, I'm, I'm in your hands. The moment that I wake up, in when I lay my head down, I will sing of the goodness of God. Gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. And you didn't have a guitar playing. You didn't have the drums going. It's just the idea that these truths that we elevate in song prepares our, our minds and then our hearts, I mean, then our, then our emotions follow what we're thinking about. And you think, you know what? We do have a good God. We do. We have one. We have a God that's awesome. And your emotions, they get up there where the truth needs to be way up here ahead of us because it's powerful. Let's see here. 2 Corinthians 3.14 says, but their minds were blinded, for until the day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now, I'm, I could teach a whole lesson on that later, but here we're finding Paul is reminding them that we have the ability now, Christ introduced in the new covenant, has removed the veil, and we can see and experience and understand how great we have it in this new covenant in such a way they never would have in the Old Testament. We have that availability to us now. 
2 Corinthians 4, 4, And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. Are you seeing the common thread about the mind? What we got to have during what cuts through the, uh, the, 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 the raw emotions is we got to have mental renewal. And thankfulness, being thankful, is a product of being thankful and being reminded constantly. 2 Corinthians 11.3, But I fear by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that we have in Christ. Amen? The simplicity. I remember when I got saved, I thought to myself, man, it can't be that simple. I mean, all I got to do is just put my trust in Christ. That's it? Wow. I need to tell other people about this. You know what I mean? I thought, man, this is so simple. It wasn't until I got into church, I was told, wait a minute now, it's not that simple. You know what I mean? It wasn't until I got into church good before I started doubting my salvation. It wasn't until I got into church, I realized, you know what? I didn't realize this was that complicated. I knew something was up. But the reality is, Paul said the same thing. Philippians 4, 7 says... And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, why is that? What is it about the peace of God that passeth all understanding? Why is that? Because in most cases, we think peace, we think peace is a byproduct of the creation being ideal. I only, peace is a byproduct of, my crea- of everything working out, right? My favorite sports team won the championship. My job's paying me what I need to pay. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, you know, I, I've got my health is where it needs to be. My kids are behaving. You know, my husband or wife's doing everything they're supposed to be doing. My employees showed up. You know what I mean? All that good stuff. We look at this and we're like, man, if I could just get all the circumstances of life to be ideal, and if everything was working exactly the way it ought to work, then I'm going to get what? Peace. Once again, that's going to the creation to try to get life. That's depending on the creation to give you the peace you want. But God's peace passeth all understanding. God's peace says, look, it doesn't matter if your candidate won the election. doesn't matter. Because peace is a product of what I give you. Peace is a product of finding life in the Creator. 1 Timothy 6, 5, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing, now listen to this, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. Hebrews 10, 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, say the Lord, I'll put my laws into your hearts and in their minds will I write them. Hebrews 12, 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. 2 Peter 3, 1, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance. 
So what do we find in this common thread here is the importance of understanding mental renewal. Mental renewal. Why? Because we find ourselves in constant states of emotional unrest that's introduced to us by ways of a trial or a heartache or a pain. And then we feel like we're lost. Why? Because we're leaning on the creation to give us life. But we need to take a step back. And we need to go to the Creator. And we got to say, you know what, Father? The creation has failed me, I can see. But that's okay. I'm going to go to you. And I'm going to allow you, your spirit, and your word to remind me of the very things that I need to be focused on. Because if I'm going to be completely transparent, I, I'll, this week I'll have to go through this exercise. I will. But you're the speaker. Yes. That doesn't mean anything. I'm I, Christians struggle. And I will struggle. I'll be honest with you. My wife will tell you. I struggle more than I even know I struggle. Right on? No, I'm just kidding. She's my blind, she, she's my blind spots. Anyway, let's go on here. Let me end with this. Truth makes free and lies will bind and corrupt. Therefore, we must lay hold on truth. And I don't want to get into this, but I've, I've preached about this before, about how the enemy in 2 Corinthians, we must, when you understand how the enemy works in bringing every thought into captivity, is that the, 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 the devil loves to introduce thoughts to you and then tell them they came from you, and then you got to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, making a habit of realizing that he loves to throw those fiery darts at you, and especially when it comes at fear. For example, I don't know about you, but it's Sunday. Tomorrow is what? Monday, right? Monday. Mondays are notorious for just not being very pleasant days, aren't they? Now, some of you weird people that have a day off on Monday, we're not talking to you. You know what I mean? You can sit out of this exercise. So, I don't know about you, but in my mind, if I was to take my mind and I was to make it a film crew, I've already started filming next week, right? You've already started filming it. You know what I mean? All right, you've, already, you, you've produced it. You've wrote the text out. Everybody's got the scripts. You started rolling next week. How next week's going to look if next week was a movie, right, in your mind? You started rolling. What is that movie looking like? You know what I mean? The end is near. It's going to be a great week. You know what I mean? What is, the, what is the title of next week's movie in your mind? I don't know about you. I have no idea what next week holds. I got a lot of things that could happen. I got a lot of things that should happen. And then there's going to be the things that actually do happen. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have any idea which ones those are going to be. But if I was going to let that movie roll and run, as I'm starting to watch the movie in my mind, my mind movie's rolling, sometimes your fear and your anxiety can start to rise on things that have not even happened yet. Right? And sometimes we allow those movie reels to run. And they're going, and we're sitting here stressed out about events that have not even happened. Isn't that crazy how that works? Weird. We just allow that mind movie to keep on rolling. 
As we continue the mental renewal process, we begin to shed lies and error that corrupt our thought lives. Input, process, and then output. Because our emotions are a byproduct of our thoughts. And we are always in a place. I don't care if you've been in church most of your life. Every time I get into the Word of God, every time I get into the Word of God, one common, one common feeling that I, I, I guess I get, I get is it's like drinking a glass of ice water when you're thirsty. It's like, oh, man, why do I neglect this? I need this. So need this. Now let me get into a, full, a few false beliefs and we'll end here. Sometimes we get ourselves in these beliefs that are just kind of false beliefs and get dispelling the lies. One false one is everybody should like me, right? Everybody should like me. Is that realistic? No. Guess what? You, breaking news. You're not somebody's cup of tea. You know what I mean? Not everybody's going to like you. Or my life will always be great. My life's always going to be great. Or our spouses are supposed to complete us. Is That's not going to happen. No. My children are perfect. Anyone? Anyone? Any, any, anybody want to testify? Look, I don't trust either one of my children, but I love them. It's not that I, anyway, let's just go on here. Real Christians never struggle. Now, I say that, but I will tell you this from experience, and you may can, can testify from experience. You know, I think it's in Timothy where he says that we should share our faults with one another. You know what I mean? How many of us in here feel comfortable doing that? Not too many, are there? And it's not because it's not something we shouldn't do. We just do not truly trust how we will be perceived after we share we're having a struggle. Because in our minds, maturity as a Christian is not having struggles, not going through struggles, or not being introduced with more struggles, you see. And if you're a, in a, in a pasture-type position, the only thing you're truly allowed to do is, is break the speed limit. You realize that, don't you? That's it. You ever notice that? That's about the only thing a pastor will confess to. You know what I mean? Well, sometimes, you know, I broke speed limit, you know what I mean? That's about all they'll truly confess to because in people's minds, they're not allowed to really go through any struggles at all. And then lastly, I can make life work. Another false belief. I can make it work. I got a good beat on things. I just need a little this, a little that, and as long as I have this, I'm, I'm doing, I, I can make it. It's kind of like the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees looked at law and they were like, ah, give us something hard. They thought they were, they had made it. They thought that they were doing pretty good. And then the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus introduces to the Pharisees, you know what I mean, uh, uh, the law 2.0. And he says, oh, okay, you guys got it together. Well, you know you're not supposed to commit adultery. But I'm telling you, if you look on a woman and you lust after her, you've committed adultery already. 
and they're drinking their latte. <laughs> what did he say? Is he nuts? That's not what the law says. But the reality is, a lot of times we can just feel like, I can make life work. I can make this happen. No, you cannot, unless you're connected to the very source of life. What is the answer? Mental renewal through the lens of truth. And sometimes we buy into a false belief system that takes some time to prove to us that that's not true. That's why you find yourself in a position of brokenness and you get scared. But let me tell you, on the other side of that, there is some exciting times of growth waiting for you. It took a while for my, my system of religion to, to fail me. You know what I mean? It took a while. Some of us in here, we, everyone in here, if you've come to Christ, you have, you have come to a time of brokenness. Your brokenness may have come through drugs and alcohol and bad choices. and It may have come through, like the prodigal, you know what I mean, going out into the world, and the world broke you. Some of us, it wasn't the world. For some of us, religion broke us, snapped us. And when we realized that, you know what I mean, I can't do this. You're in that vulnerable state where then grace comes to you and you just absorb that up like it is, you know, like it's an antibody. And you're like, man, I so, and then the healing starts. And then it takes some time. And then you might write a little too far this way and then write a little bit too far this way, but eventually you're going to find that source of life that you can go to. And, And then next thing you know, man, it's, I'm going to the creator, and I'm not leaning on the creation. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much. Father, you are so good to us. Regardless of how we feel today, your truths stand strong. I don't feel righteous, Father, often. I don't even feel worthy to say I'm righteous. But I'm glad to know, regardless of how I feel, I am righteous. I don't feel often that you are close to me, let alone one with me. But I'm glad to know, regardless of how I feel, you are one with me. I don't feel like I'm in control nor do I really want to be in control. But often, Father, I don't even feel like sometimes you're in control. But I'm glad to know regardless of what I see and what I feel, you are in control. And Father, we so desperately need to have constant mental renewal, a renovation often of your truth reminding us what you've put into our hearts to remind our minds by way of the Word and the Spirit of God that you are Daddy and you're with us. And Father, I just pray that we can leave here prepared to just go to you and not to the creation to get our needs met. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.